here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you have a copy of God's word, let's go together to Colossians uh, chapter 1 uh, here in the New Testament. We were studying this, started a new series last week called Jesus Over Everything. We're going to continue that today. While you're turning to Colossians 1, I'm going to share you a story that I heard uh, shared by Pastor Alistair Begg. Uh, that's not Alex Trebek, is what everybody always thinks I'm saying, but Alistair Begg. And Pastor Begg is the pastor at Parkside Church in Cleveland. And many of you might know his radio broadcasts and all that that are on some of the stations here. But uh, Pastor Begg was talking about a time where he was uh, a guest at a church service. He was on the road somewhere and just popped in to visit a church and be with uh, the saints on a Sunday morning. And he's a little bit of a traditionalist, so he was bothered by kind of what he found inside of this church. There was a huge screen with a countdown, a counting down. There were lights swirling everywhere. I don't know, maybe the pastor had a fishing shirt on. I don't know, but he, he was a little bothered by what it is that he found. And as the countdown got down to zero, the lights all came up on the stage and the band started at the exact right moment. And uh, the, the hip worship leader that I'm only assuming was wearing skinny jeans stepped up to the microphone and said, hey, how's everybody feeling today? To which Beg responded, not very good. <laughs> He had been tired, he was bothered by the spectacle that he saw taking place in the church building, and he said in this message that if he would have told them how he was really, really feeling, they might would have kicked him out of there in that moment. And he went on to share in this message that an important truth that you and I need to consider today about the worship of our God. The goal of congregational worship is not that we would be reminded of how we feel, but rather the point of congregational worship is to be reminded of what we know. When we gather here with the saints, we are to sing songs that point us to the Lord. Did you know that, that our worship team is not here to perform for you? We're not trying to sing the right songs that we think might make you feel good or that you would enjoy, but rather we are singing songs that point us to the Lord. In the same way, when we open the Bible, I'm not trying to preach messages or give talks that might be helpful for you and might make you know a little bit more and feel better. No, my heart is not to do that, friends. Instead, my heart is to proclaim the word in such a way that you would be left after these messages looking up to the Lord. So as we continue our study of Colossians, my prayer is that we would at the end of these messages and at the end of this series be left looking up to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in today's text, we're going to see Paul praying for the Colossian church. And he's going to pray that they would be controlled not by the world, not by their feelings, not by what's happening around them, but rather that they would be controlled by what they know, and that what they know would actually change how they live. So that's going to be our prayer as we study this text together. So we're going to dive in, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. I'd ask for you just to bear with me. I think my voice is going to hold. I may not get to yell as much as I usually do. You're, you're good, Mike. You'll still hear. I'll send you an email later with all caps and exclamation points. Just the allergies, I'm okay. Uh, allergies and a little tired. Is anybody else tired today? Such a beautiful day. I, you know what I think happened? I, I was feeling a little bit under the weather yesterday and took a little nap, and I think it messed me up. Do you ever uh, take a nap, and then when you try to go to bed, 
you're like, I'm awake. And then you start looking at the clock and thinking, I got to get up early and it's getting later. That helps. So then the anxiety goes, it's fine. Uh, so if that ever happens to you, I want you to know it happens to your pastor occasionally as well. Colossians chapter 1, let's start in verse 9. The word of the Lord says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have the redemption or have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow, that's an amazing, we almost could go home right now and some of you may audibly amen that, but... Uh, We're going to pray and ask for the Lord's help and then dive into this text. Uh, Lord, with your help, we come to your word excited to see what truth you have for us. God, encouraged by your word, we want to be strengthened. We want to be built up. We want to grow in your word. We want to grow in your truth. So would you help us today to do that? God, would you uh, speak to us in a way that we can respond and know you more and grow in your gospel? So we just thank you for what you're going to do and we give you this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we began studying these introductory comments from Paul as he begins this letter to the church in Colossae. And what we learned last week is this big truth, that the gospel develops a growing faith and a growing love in believers. And today we're going to see Paul really continuing those remarks. This, this is very much kind of a part two of last week's message, but, but you're going to be able to follow along even if you missed last week's message. But we're going to see Paul telling the Colossian church specifically how it is that he's praying for them. Uh, One of the greatest honors in my life as your pastor is just to to know how many people in our church family are regularly praying for me. Praying that uh, God would protect me, that God would encourage me, that God would strengthen me. And yeah, probably sometimes that God would correct me. I've received those prayers, right? He's answering them too, by the way. But, but we pray for one another. And I, I want you to know that, that I pray for you. There's a systematic way in which I try to go about. Not every single day and every single week do I pray for every one of you by name. But I systematically go through our church membership and pray for every single one of you on a regular basis by name. And I, I don't know about you, but I know for me, man, isn't it just an honor and a privilege and a sweet thing to know that somebody's praying for you? Man, it's just a really special feeling. So imagine how the Colossian church would feel when Paul says, since I heard about you guys, man, I've been praying. And I want to just remind you that Paul had actually never met the Colossians. He'd never been there in person. He'd only received updates about them through their pastor, Epaphras. So Epaphras comes to Rome, and he is sharing with Paul all the things that are happening in the church. And while there were some concerns, uh, by and large, things were going really well in the church in Colossae. They were growing in their faith. They were growing in their love for one another. God was doing really cool things. So what Paul says is like, man, since I heard about you guys, I've been praying for you. And Really, the most simplistic way to sum up this text would be this. Paul prays, keep it up. 
Keep going, keep moving, keep growing in the gospel. And we're gonna see in this prayer some incredible truths that help us think in a little bit more detail about how it is that we grow in faith and grow in love. Uh, We're gonna frame our points today, our outline in this way, Paul's prayer requests for the church in Colossae. Paul's prayer requests for the church in Colossae. And these are certainly prayers that we should be praying for ourselves, for our homes, uh, for our church, and even for the other churches in Wichita. Did you know that the gospel is way, way bigger than you, way, way bigger than just your family, way bigger than Crossroad Church even, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is so much bigger than us. We want to pray that every single Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, gospel-preaching church in Wichita would grow and experience revival. And I say that in all sincerity. If every single church in Wichita tripled their capacity and had to build bigger buildings to hold more people, there would still be tens of thousands of people in our city who didn't know Jesus. Like the mission is huge. Like y'all, there's 20,000 people within two miles of this building. Isn't that staggering to think about? The mission is huge, so we want to pray these prayer requests for us. We want to pray it for the other churches here in our city. And the first prayer request that we see Paul praying for the Colossian church is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God. In verse 10, that's what Paul says, that you would grow in the knowledge of God. But back in verse 8, it says it this way, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. One of the number one questions that I am asked As a pastor, when people come to visit with me and talk to me about things is this, how can I know God's will? And when I say that, I say that knowing, so some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, he's talking about me. Yeah, and about at least a dozen other people, like several even in this room who I've had this conversation with. So know that you're not alone if you're panicking right now thinking, he finally got me. This is the conversation that I have more than anything else, is how do I know God's will? And here in the Western church, for some reason, we've kind of made this into a deal where it's like maybe we all can uh, tune our spiritual radio just right, and if we get the right frequency, then maybe we can figure out what God's will is, as if it's some mysterious force we have to somehow try to tap into. We all want that kind of divine GPS, right, that'll just tell us exactly what it is we're supposed to do. Do you remember the retirement commercials that had that green line? Nobody? Okay. I loved that commercial, and and sometimes I just wonder and wish, man, what if it was that easy that the Lord would just be like, here's the path, right? Uh, In the prayer meeting this morning, the Lord brought to mind, and I prayed the line from that great hymn that says, oh, how bright the path glows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms, that I feel that, and I'm like, Lord, I just wish it was that easy to know exactly what it is you want me to do at each and every step of the way. So many people have had those same thoughts and those same questions looking for God's clear directions for their lives. So as people come to me and ask me this question, I will tell you the, the number one response that I almost immediately give to them. And again, this can be verified by multiple people in this room right now. The response I immediately give is this, have you been in the word of God? Have you been in the word? And I'll tell you that because I'm a pastor, people immediately, well, yeah, praise pray the Lord, the Bible and stuff. Yeah, like all the time right? 
Like it just scrambled it to, yeah, yeah, I've been doing that. I've been in the Bible. But what I want to tell you is that Paul is praying here that the Colossians would be full of the knowledge of his will. And when he prays that, he's not praying that they would learn how to somehow tune their spirit with the Holy Spirit in some weird like dials and knobs sort of way, mysterious. No, but what he is doing is praying that they would be full of the knowledge of Almighty God that is available to his children. Let me put it this way, plain and simple. God's will has already been revealed to us in his perfect and holy word. God has revealed himself to us and revealed his will to us in his word. Now, this is not to say that God does not have a specific will. In fact, we've talked at length in the past that the Lord has given us his Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct us. As the old hymn says, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. God has given us the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about that in in past messages. But if we're not careful, we get so paralyzed in trying to find God's will that we end up not doing anything. So, So this is what this looks like in an extreme example. We will pray for a year about whether we should go to Africa to be a missionary, but we won't walk across the street and share Jesus with our neighbor. We'll pray, Lord, do you want me to serve in this opportunity that you've presented in the church? Do you want me to serve? Lord, I'm praying about it and seeking your will, but we won't serve our own family in our home. So we can pray in a way saying, God, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do. All the while ignoring everything that God has told us to do. We say, God, show me your will while we actually ignore the will of God that has been revealed to us. This is a concerning thing, isn't it? I want to say this again as clearly as I can. If you need the knowledge of his will that leads to spiritual wisdom and understanding, then I want to just encourage you to become a student of the word of God. Paul is praying that the Colossians would know God's will by knowing God's word. If you, and, and one more note on this and then we'll move on as far as the specific will versus God's general will. What I've found is that the more I am in the word of God, the more the Holy Spirit uses and reminds me of the word of God to guide and direct my steps on a day-by-day basis. So if you want God's will in a general way, obviously, yes, God has told us what he wants us to do in his word. But if you are looking for God's wisdom for a specific thing happening in your life, you need to be in the word even more. And some of you say, well, you're the pastor. Show me that verse that tells me whether I should homeschool my kids or put them in public school. Show me that verse, pastor. I I don't have that verse. Uh, It's second hesitations, five, six. (laughs) But God has given you the Holy Spirit. So as you are reading his word, he will confirm to you what you need to do. So I want to encourage you, if you are looking for God's specific will, you need to know God's will revealed through his word even more. Paul's praying that we would know God's will by knowing his word. If you remember last week, we said that this church was diverse, right? There there were different backgrounds in this church. There were the Greek philosophical type that had all that baggage. And then there were the uh, religious Jews who came and had all of that legalistic kind of baggage and all of this mixed together. And because of that, you could see why the theme of this letter would be truth. Know the truth. 
Live the truth. Walk in the truth. Preach and teach the truth because the truth is what needs to guide us. And I want to just tell you, friends, being right here in the Midwest belt, Bible belt buckle, whatever you want to call it here, I want to just tell you this. What's scary is that we too bring all kinds of weird baggage to the church. And if we're not careful, what concerns me is that we all know just enough Jesus-y language to make anything spiritual. I, I just will tell you that as a pastor, I have heard for years people come up and say things that really do not line up with the word of God, but we know just enough Christian-y language to make everything sound like we're doing the right and God-honoring thing. This is a dangerous thing for us recalled a story of a young lady who was in a relationship that she knew was outside of the will of God primarily because they were engaged in sexual activity they were living together and they weren't married so so she knew like this isn't what the Lord wants for me so I, I need to be getting out of this because of that so she was being counseled by some pastors at her church and they had made a plan, well, well, let's do this, let's take these action steps, and they prayed about it, she was ready to do it. She came back for their next counseling appointment and said, Pastor, I just you won't believe it. I've been praying and asking the Lord to show me a sign, and just this morning when I got to work, my boyfriend had called and ordered flowers for me. So I believe that God wants me to stay with them. I don't, I don't know what the pastor said, but I know I probably would have literally done that. <laughs> like it's in direct contradiction with what the word of God says. So, so how can that be? Yet so many of us do that same thing. Like it's easy for you right there to judge that lady who was in a book that I read, right? Like it's easy to do that. But if you're not careful, listen to me, friends, you and I excuse sin in our lives using spiritual language very easily. Can I just tell you, your inner lawyer is good. Think Perry Mason and Matlock are strong? Meet your inner lawyer. Somebody needs to start streaming Matlock. Can we sign a petition to make that happen? All right, get, get with it, Netflix, if you're listening to this not broadcast message. If any of you work with Netflix, please make that happen. But we all have an inner lawyer that is good of convincing us you know, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin, but you've got this inner lawyer in the flesh that is there to convince you that it's not sin. Oh, hey, hey, everyone struggles with that. That's not really that big a deal, so don't worry about it. And man, I tell you, that inner lawyer will have you praying about going and serving on that mission trip all the while not doing a dadgum thing that the Lord's called you to actually do in his word. If we want to grow in the knowledge of God, we need to know God more. There is real truth available through the word of God. I join with Paul in praying that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will by growing in his truth, the word of God. I'll tell you, in a day when we have absolutely unprecedented access to God's word, it is shocking how biblically illiterate we are. I remember growing up in the church and hearing pastors say things like, we have the Bible everywhere. You got, a, you got seven or eight Bibles in your house. You got a Bible in your car, wait, you know, as a paperweight in the back seat, holding the cars down. We got Bibles everywhere. We have unprecedented access to the Bible. What would those old preachers say now that every single one of us has one of these in our pockets? 
You've heard me say this before, but your grandparents' pastor would be envious of the theological library that you have access to for free on the internet. Yet, with all of that being true, friends, it is tragic that we live in illiterate generations of Christ followers that has existed. There was a season where I helped with our youth ministry in between youth ministry leaders. I was really shocked to discover how biblically illiterate our students were. Man, many of them have grown up right here in our church, and I just want to tell them if they're in the room, praise God, you're growing, and I see that growth, and I'm encouraged by that growth. But at the time, it was eye-opening for me. Students who had grown up in our kids' ministry, in our youth ministry, Kids who were in like Christian homeschool programs, and yet we couldn't really relate basic Bible stories, basic Bible truths. And and I'm just like, how do you grow up in a Christian home? How do you grow up in a church, in our kids' ministry, in our youth ministry? How do you grow up in your home and not even know the basics of God's word? And church, that's not just an indictment on us. That's really the American church today. This is American Christianity. And again, it's not just even our youth and our children's ministries. The curriculum that's out there today is is all about being like Jesus, which is a great thing. That's the last line. It's bold on the bottom of our mission statement back there. We want to be like Jesus, but our lessons are all about being kind, being loving, accepting others, learning how to care for people, how to be better. And listen, we never get to the foundation of where we get that truth, which is the word of God. And it's not just our kids' ministries, y'all, and our youth ministries. It's in the pulpit today in Western Christianity. Our messages are all about how to organize your finances, how to overcome your difficulties, how to be a better parent or a better spouse. And we use a ton of Jesus language but we're not taking people to the actual source of truth, God's word. So listen to me. And when I share my heart, can I tell you, I'm sharing crossroads heart all the way from the nursery to the oldest people in this church. Can I tell you, our staff and our ministry leaders, this is our heart. We want to take you to the word of God so that you can be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And here's what happens when we do that. It helps you become a better parent. You can manage your finances, not like a moron, but like somebody with wisdom. You can overcome the difficulties in your life and the challenges that you face. But it starts with us going to the source of truth. And when you find God's will in God's word, this text says that it leads us to a place of wisdom and understanding. This word wisdom, perhaps you've heard this super basic definition, but it's so good and clear. Wisdom is knowledge applied. So it's not just that we know the word of God, but we actually do what the word of God says. This is wisdom. This word filled that is used in verse nine literally means to be controlled by. The Lord invites us to so fill our lives with the word that we would be controlled by him and his words. A couple weeks ago when I was preparing this message was when the Elon Musk stuff was happening with Twitter. And at the time, you know, it's advanced past that. But at the time, he was attempting to simply just buy a controlling interest. 
to flood it with money, to fill that business with money in such a way that he would have a controlling interest. And I just wonder today if the Lord and his word have a controlling interest in your life. In, in a world where there's so many inputs, where we're hearing from so many voices and so many different things, what is it that actually controls your life and guides you on a daily basis? If you're just waking up and glancing at the verse a day and then watching an hour of your favorite flavor of cable news, can I just tell you, you are not being controlled by the knowledge of God. If you wake up and read a quick devotional so you can watch a couple hours of Sports Center, you are not being controlled by the knowledge of God. But his word stands ready to lead God and direct you. This leads to Paul's second prayer request. He prayed they would be filled with the knowledge of God, but then secondly, he prays that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. There's a logic to these prayer requests. <clears throat> if we're filled with the knowledge of God, then it will naturally lead us to a place of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. This word walk is used all throughout the Bible, if you're familiar with the scriptures, to talk about our way of life, our daily walk, who you really are. Like on a street level, who are you? This is your walk. So I love what Paul is doing here. He calls us to get serious about knowing God through experiencing his word, but then he makes it clear that knowing God means walking with God. In other words, right believing leads to right living. We don't want to just know more so that we can know more and be smarter and know more stuff about God, but instead we want to know him in such a way that it changes everything. Sociologists have long marveled at the way that our personalities and our health and really our entire lives tend to be shaped by the people we spend the most time with. It's commonly said that you are a combination of the five people you spend the most time with. I'll just tell you that uh, I, when I arrived here four years ago, I laughed at many of your Midwesterny phrases. Yet now... Lo and behold, I find myself saying, I asked, somebody, I asked somebody the other day for a can of pop, and I thought, what has happened to you? If I, was in, if I was in Texas, somebody would pop me in the face if I asked for a pop, right? And can I tell you what, y'all? Some of y'all started saying y'all. So, so it happens, like good, bad, ugly, or in between, we all become like the people we spend the most time with. So in a real sense, this text is calling us to spend so much time with the Lord, to spend so much time in his word that we cannot help but become like him, that our daily lives are impacted in a real and tangible way. What does this change look like? Well, verse 10 explains it this way. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I want you to notice something really cool that Paul is doing. If you look up a few verses in the paragraph we studied last week, it said that the gospel in verse 6 is bearing fruit and increasing. So we said the gospel is alive and it is growing. And a paragraph later, Paul says, and you, Christ follower, because of this gospel, you are alive and you are growing. The gospel is bearing fruit and increasing. So you, Christ follower, should be bearing fruit and increasing. Isn't that good? If you've been saved by this gospel, you ought to be growing in this gospel. It's what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
But here's where I need to get you to lean in a little bit because some of you are like me and this, this message right now is hitting all the right notes for you. Yeah, that's right. Get in the word. Like you earlier, I'm like, what is God's will? Some of you, you're loving this because it's like, get in the word. That's how you know God's will. Do what it says. And you're like, all right, I'm going to start diving in the word. I'm going to read it. I'm going to do exactly what, and that's how I'm going to do it. But here's what you need to know. This is not talking about rusty growth. This is not talking about you growth. This is talking about gospel growth. In 1 Corinthians 8, the Bible says that there is a knowledge that puffs up. Did you know, friends, that there is a way for us to follow the commands of this passage all the while actually missing the heart of God? That should concern you today. The Pharisees were pretty good at this. So some of you right now are thinking, yeah, I'm ready. But you need to know that, that the Bible is not calling you to start using it like a rule book. But instead, Jesus is inviting us to leave our slavery to sin, our slavery to self-performance, our slavery to religion, our slavery to worldliness. And Paul comes in so clutch with this epic reminder of the gospel in verses 11 through 14. Oh, if you don't have your Bibles open, open them back so you can look at this with me. It's so good. How is it that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, worthy of his gospel? Yes, everything we've talked about. We want to know him more by knowing his word and obeying him and walking in his truth. But Paul's last prayer request is this, is that the church in Colossae would stand strong in the gospel. In verse 11, Paul prays that the Colossians would be strengthened with all power according to whose might? His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Paul doesn't say, man, I'm really praying that y'all would get your stuff together and figure out how to live this Christian life. No, he's praying that God, through his power, through his encouragement, through his word, through his might, would call us out and strengthen believers. But then it just keeps getting better. Look at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Who qualified you? Well, when you finally knew enough of the Bible and were doing enough good things, you were ready. No, that's not what it says, but it says the Father qualified you for what? Let's keep reading. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Church, this is so good. Paul says that you were dead, but now you are alive because of Jesus Christ. God took you from unqualified to qualified. By his might, you were brought from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. You've been redeemed. You are forgiven. And now because of that gospel, because of this truth, real life transformation is possible. Oh, do you believe this, church? You can actually change. Some of you are so weary today because you've been trying so hard and you think, man, I'll never be able to change. I'll never defeat this sin in my life. I'll never be able to follow the will of God. I'll never know him more than I do right now. And, and pastor, I've heard a billion sermons like this and I've tried to get in his word and I've tried to do what God wants me to do, but I fail time and time again. And, and you're broken today. But what I want to remind you of is the truth that if you're not careful, you put the cart before the horse. 
You forgot that the gospel gives us strength to stand and the gospel makes real life change possible. So if you're trying to change your life so that you can experience the gospel, you're never going to experience life transformation. But when you experience the life transformation that comes from actually knowing Jesus and his gospel, then it changes everything in your life. Then real life change becomes possible. You can be who it is that the Lord is calling you to be. Instead of trying to impress God and try to live up to his standards, Can I tell you what we know? We know that God already loves you right now. So much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you might have life. And because he loves you and gave himself for you, this same God reveals himself to us today through his word. So you know what? We don't read his word in a way to try to impress him or earn his favor. You know why we read his word? Because we want to hang out with God. This God who loves me, I want to know him more. And and he speaks to us through his word, and we grow in knowledge of him through his word. So I want to know his word. And when I read his word, like we said, that the path glows from day to day. God directs us and guides us as we read his word. So we want to run to his word, and when we see what it says, we want to walk in a manner worthy of him. Again, not to earn his love, but because of his love, because of the gospel. We want to know him and walk with him. This is Paul's prayer for the church in Colossae. And friends, today, it's my prayer for every single one of you. That you would stand strong in the gospel. So that you could grow in the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You bow your heads and close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are so thankful for the gospel that makes all of this possible. Lord, real transformation, real life change, real hope is available because of you. So God, we ask that by your mercy and grace that you would strengthen us and remind us of that gospel. God, as we observed communion earlier, it was just such a stark reminder of the truth of the gospel. And Lord, we we need that daily communion with you. We may not have the bread and the cup every day, but God, we need to spend time with you remembering your gospel so that it will cause us, Lord, to want to know you more and walk with you. So God, I just ask that you'd help us. I pray for people in this room, maybe who don't know you as Lord and Savior. God, if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, may today be the day of salvation for them, the day that they do come to know you, Lord. But I pray for my friends in here who do know you, but maybe somewhere along the way, gospel growth has stopped. Lord, I pray that today would be a wake-up call and that they would be renewed again and that you would just cause them to begin to grow into the men and women that you want them to be. Lord, we want to be a church that is effective and used for your honor and glory. Help us to be that by the strength of your gospel. And may we pray these prayer requests for ourselves, our families, this church in our city. Church family, if you are able and led, would you stand as we sing a song of response? Just let the word of God sink into our hearts and our souls in this time and respond however the Lord leads you to.